Hey folks, you're listening to the Get Balanced Podcast with me, Dr. Donnie, and my co-host, Chief Strategy Officer of LifeScan Wellness Centers, Todd LaDuke. Episode 146. Welcome to the Get Balanced Podcast with Dr. Donnie. If you're a firefighter, law enforcement officer, or emergency medical professional who would like to improve your family relationships, your physical and mental health, and want to have success at work and at home, well, this show is for you. Welcome to the Get Balanced program. Let's get started. Hey, folks. Welcome back again to the LifeScan Learning Lab edition of the Get Balanced Podcast with me, Dr. Donnie, and my co-host of course chief todd laduke the one that sits back asks the questions and turns over the podcast for me to get it produced and to do all the work while he's sitting back petting his dogs with that said todd i'm gonna kick it right over to you and introduce our fantastic guests for this week always a tough act to follow donnie always a tough act i i appreciate it. we've got a, uh, another great um episode on tap and donnie thanks for teeing it up you know um all kidding aside it, it's uh I, I learned, have learned so much uh, from working with you, and continue to uh, to do so. So, uh, thanks for our continued collaboration, and and I'm really excited today. We we've had such, uh, I guess, over close to two years now of the podcast, and we've had such tremendous guests from uh, legendary icons in the fire service to the U.S. Fire Administrator to uh, the Superintendent from the National Fire Academy. Uh, uh, and, and we've got another rock star guest today um, in a friend and, and colleague and someone I've had the opportunity to work with over the years. Um, and that's uh, Preet Bassi, who's the CEO uh, for the Center for Public Safety Excellence. And uh, uh, Preet, welcome to the show. Thanks for agreeing to come on and uh, share um, some thoughts and just have a good conversation today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. Sounds sounds great. And uh, Pre tells me she's enjoying some uh, some time out on the West Coast uh, with with her husband and catching some collegiate football while she's out there. So we're we're crossing time zones today to uh, to bring this to you all on this week's episode. So Pre, let's start if we can. Um, for those listeners, and Donnie reminds me all the time. Um, out of you know, we have hundreds of listeners that tune in um, to the podcast. We also have uh, an international and a global community, and I know we're going to talk about CPSC, and and that has a global reach. Um, but could we start maybe by just um, telling us about your background and um, uh, where your uh, journey has taken you? Uh, I know I mentioned you're currently the CEO of Center for Public Safety Excellence, but tell us just a little bit about your career and your um, your family and, and kind of um, give us give our listeners a better understanding of uh, who Preet is. Absolutely. Well, I was born in Dublin, Ireland. I moved to the U.S. when I was a teenager, finished up high school here, and I went then on to the University of California, Davis, got a dual bachelor's in political science and economics. I was really interested in policy work, went to the University of Southern California, did a public administration master's and thought I'm going to take over the state assembly here in California and I'm going to fix the education system. After a short time in state politics, I realized that's not actually how you can make a lot of change. And there sometimes was incentives not to make so. 
So I shifted to local government. I worked for the city of Anaheim and I found local government just to be so much more responsive and so much more nimbler. I was on a city management track. I'm sure if I'd stuck around there, I might've been a city manager one day, but I thought it was important to go and work for a line department, department where there was direct service with the community. And I went to the building department and it was even more responsive than what I'd seen so far in local government. May, some may not know, you can actually get your building department accredited. Our building department was interested in it. And that really in, enlightened me an interest in how to make local government more efficient, more effective, and more innovative. I went from there and I worked for the International Code Council, the folks who actually run the building department accreditation program, and was lucky enough to become part of the senior management team. In 2014, CPSC had a opening for the CEO. So we moved from Southern California to DC. Uh, it's been an amazing eight years. And it's so wonderful now to, as you mentioned, have this global impact on making fire departments more efficient and effective and therefore serving their communities that much better. I'm glad to say through partnerships with different organizations, through a great staff team, great board commission team, the last eight years have been an unprecedented time for growth and impact within CPSC. Wow. So I, I tell Donnie all the time, and uh, uh, Donnie gets to meet all my friends and colleagues virtually as they all come across the screen, screen every week. But, you know, the neat part about doing this, amongst other um, reasons, is uh, getting to learn uh, a little bit about folks that you have known for a long time, but you didn't realize different uh, um items in their background and their journey. So uh, um, that that has been quite a uh, quite a diverse journey from uh, uh, state and local government to uh, non-for-profit and um, actually had the opportunity just in the last uh, pre-COVID, not long before, to visit Dublin, beautiful city. I searched high and low for corned beef. I have to be honest, though, and I could not find any corned beef. I found more chicken wings than I'd ever count. Um, <laughs> And they told me the, the whole corned beef is an Americanized. Uh, Very much so. It's like your orange chicken. It's like <laughs> your, right, the, the Caesar salad, all of those things that Americans took and tried to influence. Yes, I did not grow up eating corned beef. <laughs> a little bit of cabbage here and there, but not sure. a lot. Sure. My and just uh, over, my wife just overheard you say chicken wings in Ireland. Now she's like, telling me that yeah we need to go to ireland she's, she's you do have to go to ireland fanatic. beautiful beautiful country in addition <laughs> to plethora of chicken wings but uh beautiful, <laughs> beautiful country great people um pre you, you touched on um you know you, your uh, your prior work uh with the code council and and in the accreditation world of the code council um you know, in Center for Public Safety Excellence, I think, and, and I correct me if I'm wrong, um, is a relatively small, tight-knit community, um, albeit, I think, growing and expanding. Um, but uh, some of our listeners may not have a, a full understanding of um, the Center for Public Safety Excellence and, and under that umbrella, um, all the areas that that touches um, and, and the importance of it um, to certainly um, the first responder community. Uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of an insight as to um, CPSE and all the different uh, facets of the organization, what that looks like? Absolutely, and take us on a very short history walk through CPSE. In the late 80s, there was 
the concepts of quality management, efficiency, effectiveness were moving into local government. And you started to see a lot more programs throughout the different departments on how to track, measure, and improve. In the late 80s, some real smart and brave folks from the International City County Management Association, along with some smart, brave folks from the International Association of Fire Chiefs, sat down and said, how could we make fire departments better? That was the question, the how might we question. What came out of it was a holistic, risk-based self-assessment continuous improvement model. So fast forward 26 odd years that CPSC has been officially formed, our vision is to be the global organization that collaboratively improves health, wellness, and safety outcomes in all communities. So the focus definitely is end game-wise on the communities themselves. But we know how we can get there is by leading the Fire and Emergency Service to excellence through whether it's our accreditation, credentialing, and education programs. Some of the ways that we operationalize our collaboration is we're lucky enough on our boards and commissions to have membership from city county management, fire chiefs, uh, labor with the International Association of Firefighters. We also bring in subject matter experts as needed, whether it's from the NFPA or ISO. And working together, I think, you know, our values are about outcomes. We want to see the departments can show what they're doing. We want officers to be able to reflect on their career, how they can do it try to do some progressive leadership, making sure that we're looking not just at how we can protect today's fire service, but how we could have it be enriched and nurtured and grow and stay relevant in the future. And even internally, we're very focused on continuous improvement. So our two key programs are our accreditation program. It's our oldest, it's the most well-known. Through it, we work with communities all across the globe small, medium, large, different types of government governance structures. And once again, it's a risk-based self-assessment continuous improvement model. It's not a checklist project. There's 250 odd performance indicators. And the way that they are phrased is the Alaska department to answer a question of, do you have adequate resources to address X in your community? Well, what the department then needs to do is to determine what resources they even need to address X. And from there, define what's adequate, which requires them to do significant tracking, measuring, and improvement. We don't give the answers. It's not a rating process. Once again, definitely not a checklist process. And for that reason, it can be hard. You're conducting almost a doctoral dissertation on your community and on your department to to not only define the questions, but then come up with the ultimate answers. Similarly, our professional credentialing model, it's holistic. It's a holistic professional designation model that doesn't just look at one element of a person's career, but whether it's looking at education, experience, professional development, professional contributions, professional memberships, community involvement, and technical competence, is this person a well-rounded, whole officer concept? And we currently offer credentialing in six areas for fire officers, chief fire officers, chief training officers, chief EMS officers, fire marshals, 
and our newest, our public information office. In addition to those two key programs, we do have some support programs. One is our CPSC University, both in-person and virtually either live or on demand. We push out a lot of educational content related to the concepts behind accreditation, risk assessment, strategic planning, program appraisals. We do it, we have a technical advisor program and we conduct an annual excellence conference. Well, you got a lot going on, that's for sure. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, it really, uh, you know, it's been my, uh, my perception, you, you kind of, you know, uh, made it crystal clear that it's it's not a checkbox approach it's it's measuring uh matching um resource needs to risk and outcomes and um you know i often often scratch my head and wonder um why there's you know not more accredited agencies um but you're you're absolutely right it's a challenging process to go through i think the you know, at least from uh, having been a peer reviewer uh, over the years, um, one of the benefits is while it's challenging, um, going through the process um, really provides you um, such tremendous insight into um, organizational needs and community needs and be, be able to communicate those and articulate those to um, stakeholders, whether that's your elected officials or uh, partnering agencies. So um, tremendous value of if, if uh, our listeners that are out there, whether it's on the credentialing side or uh, the academy side or, or organizational agency accreditation, if they want to learn more um, or do kind of a deeper dive, what, what's the easiest and the best way uh, for them to do that? The best way, I think, would be to start with our website, cpse.org. Lots of drop-down menus there. And on the CPSE University subsite, of our website, there are intro to accreditation, intro to accreditation, to credentialing videos that from our perspective, but also those that have gone through it, reflect on what it is. To your point about it being challenging though, I'd like to think that it's also rewarding and it's especially rewarding specifically on the department accreditation side, when it engages a cross section of the membership of the department. We have seen some departments that focus it in headquarters. They might get it done quicker that way, but it doesn't build that institutional knowledge. It doesn't institutionalize these concepts. And that, whether it's member engagement from the department or community engagement in the strategic planning, we're really about this inclusive management style that is now the way that you succeed in the world a more dictatorial management style, which may have existed decades ago, really isn't around. And I think sometimes the fire service isn't as quick to make that shift. The departments that we see that are flourishing, that have really great programs, that have great morale, are those that have accepted that inclusionary management mindset. And we're so excited to be working with them. Hey, pretty, uh... I'm not that familiar with CPSE, so I'm learning as we go. So, and and just by the name, and I'm I'm sometimes I'll think of it from a listener's perspective, like you know, Center for Public Safety Excellence. Um, is there a spot for law enforcement in this area? So far, we're just working with the fire and emergency services. We actually. And I wasn't in the room some 15 years ago when they came up with the name CPSC. 
But I think at the time it was to not limit ourselves. We saw that the fire service was changing. The fire service had always been in fire and EMS and some of the emergency response, but we're being brought in now on Homeland Security issues. We are being brought in on disaster response. Unfortunately, some of the ills that are plaguing our communities, whether it's homelessness, opioid addiction, typically you would have seen that being responded to only by police and in more of a enforcement mindset. Now we see a lot of our departments aiding on the ground in these and from a support and connecting them with other community services. So it was an aspirational name to look at more than just the traditional way that fire departments had been defined. But today we still continue to work with fire and emergency services. Our departments though, many of them do own the dispatch centers in their community, which historically has been something that has only been with our um, law enforcement friends. And as I mentioned, as they're taking on some of these other responsibilities, mm-hmm. they are expanding their footprint, their scope to meet the community needs. Yeah, very nice. You know, one one area that I learned a lot from, and, and you know, I always believe uh, we can learn a lot from looking outside of our own industry. Um, but, uh, and Donna, you'll appreciate this having served, uh, you know, in our armed forces and your son, 82nd airborne is CPSC actually does a tremendous amount of work, uh, with department of defense, um, in, in accrediting, uh, fire and emergency services for DOD, uh, bases. Mm -hmm. I have had the privilege of, um, getting to travel to, uh, to, uh, Japan, um, to, to do a accreditation survey. And so, um, still, I think, you know, tremendous amount of diversity under that umbrella, um, including DOD. Um, Preta, what thought you- if I could just touch on that. Please, uh, please. So about a third of our agencies that we work with are Department of Defense. And while their firefighting functions on the base may be very similar to their civilian colleagues, the bases themselves, just as you mentioned, Todd, are so diverse. They can be bases that focus on manufacturing large aircraft. How wonderful the type of conversations that you are a part of in that space are so different. Or they are a, whether it's an Air National Guard or an air base, the type of aircraft that are coming through. So it does, from a specialty standpoint, introduce, I think, our DOD departments to different industries that are you know just down the hall from them but that they're providing service to in a very focused way yeah tremendous tremendous uh cross-learning opportunities i know the the one that i was referring was okinawa japan and in very unique there's a marine corps base and uh but some of the uniqueness uh uh, different from what we might see on civilian side. Um, there was a lot of themes that could cross over uh, both uh, into DOD and civilian um, management and, and leadership of community needs and expectations. So it's the process really, right? Making that process and applying it to um, the uniqueness of your community. Um, you touched on on um, the longest uh, of the uh, programs, um, and, and maybe perhaps the most well-known being the um, accreditation piece. And I know that's evolved over time. Um, and, and I want to touch, obviously, we spend a lot of time on the podcast uh, talking about um, 
health and wellness, not only physical, but um, total health and wellness. Um, and I know uh, I'm probably dating myself going back a few years. Um, I had the privilege of heading up the rewrite of the re-imaging of Category 7 and kind of had everything crunched together, right? We had the uh, health and wellness piece under that, and we had uh, human resources uh, as part of that. And I know since then, um, health and wellness has kind of evolved to its own criteria. Um, and, and I wonder if you can just touch on what the thought process was for that evolution, um, how you've seen it uh, since that has happened, and what you see perhaps, particularly on the health and wellness front, what the future looks like for the fire service uh, from the accreditation realm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for serving on that committee. I think it was for the ninth edition. You headed up Category 7. As we were developing the 10th edition, we went out and we visited our state and regional consortiums. And we asked them what they were seeing. We were practicing what we were preaching, engaging our community, our stakeholders in understanding where our programs needed to go. And we heard a number of important topics. A few that we kept hearing, data, partnerships, and health and wellness. And it would be phrased in different ways, but that was the umbrella. Well, we'd always had, Todd, as you said, performance indicators in criteria under category seven, which was human resources, but we realized that it might've gotten lost in the weeds. So there was a real good decision by the folks that were working on the 10th edition to carve out those and elevate health and safety to its own category. Category 11 is not in any way defining that it's less important than any other. It was the next one that was available. So that's how it made it there. And there's two main sections to that category. One is occupational health, safety, and risk management. That particular criteria, 11A, is focused on the administration. There's 12 performance indicators in there. So it's asking, do you have folks assigned to this work? Do you have policies and procedures? What are your reporting mechanisms? You asked what impact it has had by bringing it out into its own category. We encourage departments that are going through accreditation to assign category managers, somebody who's knowledgeable about this particular area. So whether it is seven, which is human resources, eight, which is training, four, which is finance, or now 11, which is health and safety. By elevating it to that, if the department wasn't yet looking at health and safety as its own program, within the organization, I think a lot of them have started to do that. 11B then focuses on wellness and fitness programs. And it is, those are focused on the employees. Whether there are evaluations, exposure tracking, those things that are being done. But I think the most impactful of once again, pulling it out is we ask that the departments do a formal and documented annual appraisal to determine the effectiveness of their wellness and fitness programs. So not once every five years when we come in to do the accreditation process, not when there is a near miss or unfortunate LODD, but annually proactively looking at it. Based on that, we're starting to see some departments put some amazing, amazing programs together. And one of the things that we at CPSC are committed to, it's actually part of our strategic plan is rolling out a center for innovation in the coming years. And 
The goal with that is to address an industry-wide gap in evidence-based decision-making, but then also highlighting the solutions by our accredited agencies or our credentialed officers where they're improving health, wellness, and safety outcomes in their community. And then where there are those folks that aren't necessarily gonna go through accreditation, we, we'd love to see them do it, go through credentialing. They can still learn from these innovative practices that our departments and our officers have put out. And we're, we're excited about sharing that and maybe catalyzing some more innovation in the fire and emergency services, whether it's around health and safety or other topics. I love that. That's Todd, you went silent there. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea, almost like a, a mini incubator, if you will, of uh, innovation and data and, and uh, best practice. Uh, I, I certainly look forward to, to seeing that. And, and uh, um, I really have to commend uh, the decision makers that, that you know, put uh, health and wellness uh, um, as its own criterion, uh, because I do think that that drives agencies um, to, to put a spotlight on that. I am pre you've, uh, you know, been eight years now at CPSC. I tell this story all the time, you know, uh, got 34 years in the fire service. And, um, you know, when I started, if you had one person in a room for a health and wellness uh, presentation, uh, that was a crowd. Um, and, and today, um, you know, the industry really, I think, is pivoted and, and kind of said that's really foundational almost that if we if we don't have those you know best practices to take care of our members and our employees to, to survive and keep them healthy and well, um, then we really don't have a fire department to service our community. So uh, I have to applaud CPSC for for elevating that uh, that criterion. And one of the other ways that we do it, we talk about obviously accreditation programs, we've got 3,000 credentialed officers and growing. Now, depending on which of the designations someone is pursuing, they have to respond to their technical competence in a set of areas. For our chief fire officer designation, for example, they need to speak to their technical competence in health and risk management. And that's typically found in the NFPA correlating NFPA standards, but we took two steps, I think, beyond what the minimum standards are. We've included wellness and behavioral health as one of the technical competencies for new folks that are applying, and also diversity, equity, and inclusion. This thought being that if folks are feeling that they belong, if they're seeing that they are valued members of their department, their overall well-being is much higher, and that does have an impact on their health and wellness. I want to toss out a question to you guys, to sort of both of you, because when can we define, because when we say the terms health and wellness and parade, I just heard well-being, I have my understanding and definitions of those terms, but they're very broad in perspective. Could you take a little deeper dive when we're talking about health, wellness, well-being, and some of the things that are included in that? What what are those items? Um, absolutely, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig in. I would distinguish maybe physical health from mental health. We'll, we'll talk about those who they are obviously both widely important, but they do show up very different. For us on the physical health part, we're looking at any type of occupational hazards that could exist from firefighting, whether those would be cardiac, whether they would be cancer, and also ensuring that the person is fit for duty, showing up, 
and has an overall good good eating, good fitness, good sleep happens as much as those are possible within the fire station. Then the mental health starts to address the fact that some of these events are very traumatic that folks are responding to. But an incident is one and done, and you may not necessarily go to the most horrific incidents that your department is responding to. The work of being away from your family for a day or two, the isolation of having to respond to these events and then go home and not bring it home. We, we know that there is a lot of mental health concerns that are out there for, for all individuals. And I'm so glad that perhaps even COVID really brought to the surface a need for us to focus as a society more globally on mental health. That's it. For me, the well-being part is, it's going to sound kind of Pollyannish, are you happy? There's not one model for well-being. It's not as though everybody needs to be married with the white picket fence and 2.4 children. But whatever your choices are, do you have enough of the stuff that you need to survive? And then are you happy? Do you feel valued? Are you in a supportive environment? Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have cultural touch points that connect you to individuals? And enough for me, I know that my well-being is as I'm really quite an extrovert, but I need a good amount of quiet time, away time from a lot of folks to be able to recharge. And in today's 24-7 nature, and definitely the way that emergency response is, are folks being able to carve out that type of time? Yes. But, so I hope I got that question right, right? You're, you're the PhD, so hopefully I answered it correctly. <laughs> That, that's a hard answer to top for sure. No, I, I think, you know, we, we talk about uh, in the service all the time about doing a 360 degree evaluation of, you know, the fire ground, if you will, or whatever the emergency scene. But I think that certainly um, is a 360 evaluation of, of us as, as a person um, in needing, you know, self-care and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and each other as well. Um, Priya, I, I want to be... Um, mindful of time. I know we, we talked about, uh, you know, our typically we try to keep these around 30 to 45 minutes, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on, um, you mentioned about um, the Excellence Conference, and, and I know I've, I've had the honor of uh, presenting there several times, and it's a tremendous networking and just knowledge sharing. Um, I wonder if you could just talk briefly about uh, the Excellence Conference and what it brings to the table, how folks can uh, learn more about it or register and uh, the value of that. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to speak about it. Well, our Excellence Conference in 2023 will be running February 28th through March 3rd in Orlando, Florida. We've got five tracks. One is focused on accreditation, the nuts and bolts of it. Another is focused on credentialing, once again, the nuts and bolts to it. Two new tracks that we've got this year we're pretty excited about. Challenges to opportunities. So where there's case studies of departments that faced a challenge and how they rose to that challenge and it unearthed some interesting opportunities for their department or for their community. A fourth track that's focused on changing for improvement. So something may not even be broken. There may not be an issue, but that does not mean that we can't do better. And finally, we do have a leadership track. With that though, we're excited. There are some younger individuals 
that are going to be presenting as part of that in the leadership track of that inclusive management of that brave um, and impactful way of leading folks that we're starting to see and we're really valuing. And in order to register, uh, right at cpse.org, if you go to the front page, there's a logo for the Excellence Conference. Tremendous. And uh, for those listeners that maybe haven't attended or not familiar, uh, just what a what a powerful and impactful, um, you know, think tank, if you will, right? You've got the industry leaders, both um, from agency perspective, organizationally, and um, current and future leaders uh, that are percolating their ideas and their best practices and lessons that they've learned. So I would highly encourage um, if you haven't been consider attending. If you, uh, if you have, you already know what a, what a special treat it is. So uh, um, Preda, I want to, um, and, and I know we'll no doubt look to see if we can corral you again for uh podcast 2.0, or I'm sure Donnie will be reaching out on his side for oh, his work life. My solo side on the work life balance. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can put money down. Hey, I'm next in line. <laughs> I, I know he was going to corral you and, and uh, that'll, that'll be a special episode. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of uh, wrap up today's uh, interview and today's been a great discussion. I know we just scratched the surface, um, but, but you've shared with us kind of a diverse journey that you've had both um, professionally. Uh, we didn't have much time to talk about uh, personally, but but I'm sure you, you've had, uh, you know, a lot of life lessons, both uh, personally as well as professionally. If I if I had to um, put you on the spot um, and ask you um, of any of those life lessons, if you had to pick one um, to impart for future leaders, um, those coming up behind you, um, what what would you envision that would would be? I had the opportunity three years ago to be part of the inaugural cohort at the University of Pennsylvania's executive program in social innovation design. I thought I would be going and be learning some cool innovation techniques and really looking at it more as a executive training program. What I didn't expect and I was really happy is there was a class in that program and it was called Self and Society. The goal of this program was that you would apply design thinking techniques to the world's biggest issues and be able to fix them. But this self and society class asks that you focus on yourself also, because in order to show up for society, in order to have an impact, if you weren't taking care of yourself, you wouldn't be able to do it. So it wasn't self versus society, self or society, it was self and society. And one of the techniques that they taught us in the program that I often go back to is the wellness wheel. So there are eight categories within that emotional, intellectual, physical, social, environmental, financial, and spiritual, and you grade where you think you fall on these and identify where you need to make some changes. At the time when I did it, I realized there was a couple of areas that I was deficient in. Intellectual, I was not doing reading that wasn't related to my job. I was not challenging my intellectual growth. Now, it was great that I was in a program that was challenging it, but there was room for improvement there. Environmental, spend a lot of time in the office, spend a lot of time in planes, and I do work out, so I'm in the gym, 
but I'm not necessarily outdoors a lot. I needed to get outdoors. I needed to have nature around me. I needed to connect. And the spiritual, and sometimes it's also called cultural, with moving to the East Coast, we're away from our family. And, you know, everybody's busy, everybody's working, the kids are in school, all of that with my nieces and nephews. But I've put an over, I'd like to think that I focused more overtly on spending time with my family, carving out those times. If I'm going to be somewhere in the middle of the country and they can join me for a weekend, that we would do it. So since then, I'd like to think that I have prioritized my overall wellness in these different categories. And whenever something's off, I'll pull that up. I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? I haven't been working out a bunch or, oh, I haven't had like any downtime socially with my friends. And I'm almost able to find the blips and make a little course correction and then move into whatever I need to do more energized. Wow. That's, um, you know, we, as you can imagine with some of the guests we've had on, we've had uh, some really tremendous wisdom that's been shared um, from the course of their careers. And I, I got to say, that's probably one of the most um, global ones in terms of uh, um, making sure that, that you're balanced and we're balanced to be able to serve. Right. And um, so, so thank you for sharing that. That's a tremendous resource and a, a good reminder for, I think all of us, take a, take a snapshot and then uh, repeat it and make sure that we're, we're staying on course because it's, especially in today's world and a lot of things going on and challenges and uh, easy to get off course and veer a little bit too far to the right or too far to the left. So um, great, great advice. Great was great interview today. Pre, thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your, your uh, time with your family out West. And um, I wish you safe travels back East and uh for our listeners out there, uh, please uh, tr check out the uh, number of resources that were discussed today and learn more about them, do a deeper dive, and thank you for uh, for being part of our audience. We appreciate you, and thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. you're a firefighter, law enforcement officer, or EMS professional who enjoys this podcast and would like some help with your work-life balance, you need to check out my Get Balanced program. Not sure if you are balanced or not? Join me over at DonnieHutchinson.com and take the quiz. Together, we are going to get you balanced.